St. James podcast, where you can find weekly teaching, encouragement, and interviews to inspire you in your walk with Christ. We'd love to hear how our ministry is touching your life. Please share your story with us by emailing sjlife.com. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. I want to let's give these kids another big round. Thank y'all so much. Thank y'all. Great job this week. I want to thank all of our youth staff and interns that are up here and all the senior high youth and other youth that helped. Uh, they did a fantastic job this week. And uh, where is every, I tell you what, everybody that helped with VBS, just stand up right now. Everybody that helped with VBS, but y'all just look around and give these guys all a big hand. They work so hard. And, and uh, all the volunteers, we couldn't have done it without them, and just appreciate uh, all of them so very, very much. Uh, guys, thank you so much for doing an awesome job this week, and uh, come on through. Come on through. Thank you all again so much. An awesome week. That, what a blessing for Father's Day to have all these beautiful kids up here on Sunday morning. We had about 300 and something, uh, 350 kids, plus we had another uh, 50, 30 to 40, 50 kids in the nursery. Then we had 70 uh, youth that were helping and around 60 adults. So there was a lot of people involved in pulling this all off. But we want to thank everybody that made it possible. And again, I want to thank uh, Jennifer and uh, her team and Sharon and Melissa Dishmon and um, uh, who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting so many people. Anne that taught the Bible study every day and... um, uh, Carrie, uh, I, I could go on and on naming folks, but all of our staff also just rolled up their sleeves and pitched in, but it was an awesome, awesome week. So good to see you on this Father's Day, and uh, do I hear an alarm going off? It's a weather alert. <laughs> all right, somebody keep me posted if uh, something's bad coming our way. Anyway, we do have flash flood uh, warnings going on right now, so I appreciate you making the effort to get out on this uh, messy Father's Day, but we're going to have a good time, and I'm going to share some things with you from Solomon about what it means to be a good man, because God is looking for a few good men, and I want to talk to the fathers today, but everything I'm going to say today is applicable to all of us, but I especially want to address the fathers today, and um, before I do that, though, I wanted to share something with you that I think might be helpful to the ladies on this Father's Day. Uh, I found a men's thesaurus, which is basically what men really mean when they say certain things. So, men, if I say something that, that resonates with you, you say amen, and ladies, you can say amen too if your husband does this or some, the men in your life do this. So, here it is. So, when a man says, I'm not lost, I know exactly where I am. What he really means is, no one will ever see us alive again. That's what he really means. When a man says, I don't think I can go today, what he really means is, shopping is not a sport, and no, I'm never going to think of it that way. When a man says, I don't remember saying that, what he really means is, anything I may have said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. In fact, all past comments become null and void after seven days. Can I get an amen from the guys? All right, all right. When a man says, that's not what I meant, have you ever said that? What he really means is, if something I said can be interpreted two ways, and one of those ways makes you feel sad and angry, then I meant the other one. Can I get an amen? 
When a man says it would take too long to explain, what he really means is, I have no idea how this works. When a man says, take a break, honey, you're working too hard, what he really means is, I can't hear the football game over the vacuum cleaner. That's what he really means. When a man says it's a guy thing, what he really means is there's no rational thought pattern connected with this and you have no chance at all of making it logical. Does that sound familiar? If a man says, can I help with dinner, what he really means is dinner ready yet. That's what he really means. And the last one, if a man says, I can't find it. You ever say that, man, to your wife? I can't find it. What he really means is, it didn't fall into my outstretched hand, so I'm completely clueless. See, wives, I know you can relate to that. That happens around our house all the time. I say, honey, where is this? And she said, it's right in front of you, or it's right next to you in that cabinet right there. But anyway, happy Father's Day to all the dads. And uh, today, I want to speak to the dads, but again, everything I'm going to say is applicable to all of us. We're going to continue uh, looking at the words of Solomon, the wisdom of Solomon, And we've looked at this whole series, this is the last one in this series, but in this whole series called Pearls, we've been looking at wisdom sayings in the book of Proverbs, wisdom sayings from Solomon about many different subjects. And today I want to talk about what Solomon has to say about being a good man. Now, you know, I love the story of the three military recruiters who went to an all-male high school, and they were given... Uh, three military recruiters were given 10 minutes each to give their pitch, their spill, to recruit guys to sign up for their branch of the military. So each of the military guys, there was an Air Force guy, an Army guy, and a Marine guy, and each of these recruiters were given 10 minutes. So the Air Force guy got up first, and he actually went 15 minutes. It went too long. The next guy that got up was the Army recruiter, and he spoke for 14 minutes. It went too long. And then, so the Marine recruiter only had one minute instead of the 10 that he should have had. So he gets up there, and the Marine comes up to the podium, looks out over this big, massive group of young men. And he, for 30 seconds, he just looks around the room. Very intimidatingly looks around the room. And then he says, well, I can see that not many of you have what it takes to be a Marine. But I'm looking for a few good men. And for any of you that think you have what it takes, you meet me at that booth right back there in the back when this thing's over. And he went and sat down. Now, what do you think happened when that thing was over? There was a big, long line at the Marine recruiter's station. Why? Because men love a challenge. Boys also love a challenge. In 1985, some of you are old enough to remember 1985. At 1985, the Marines came out with a commercial to recruit people to sign up for the Marines. And it became a national sensation and a, a household topic of conversation. And here's a, I found that, I found that commercial on the internet. So here's the commercial that came out in 1985 and it was wildly successful at recruiting Marines. Take a look. You begin with raw steel. Shape it with fire, muscle, and sweat. Polish it to a 
razor-sharp perfection. We're looking for a few good men with a medal to be Marines. Well, that commercial was wildly popular and really helped them recruit a lot of young men to go in to the Marines. In fact, after that commercial came out, there were billboards all over the country that said, wanted a few good men. Nowadays, they've changed it, and they're looking for women too, and it says, we're looking for a few good men and women. It says, the, the few, the proud, the Marines. But I, I wanted to kind of focus in on that because I believe that God is looking for a few good men. He's looking for good women too. But I'm speaking to the men specifically today. He's looking for a few good men. Now, fortunately, in this church, we have a lot of good men. We have a lot of great men. But outside the walls of the churches, I think in our country, it's getting harder and harder to find a few good men. Solomon says in Proverbs 12, 2, he says, A good man obtains the favor of the Lord. And in Proverbs 20, verse 6, he says, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? And from Ezekiel 22, verse 30, he says, the Lord says, I looked for someone, actually in one translation says, I looked for a man who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the whole land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. I believe that God is looking for a few good men. Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to perdition or sin, but narrow is the path, and steep is the way that leads to life, and few find it. There's that word again, few, and few find it. All right, I want to talk to you this morning, man. I want to throw out a challenge. If you want to be one of those few good men, or like I said, ladies, this applies to you too, then I want you to hear this challenge. What do you got to do to be one of those few good men? What does Solomon say? He says three basic things I want to just talk about real briefly this morning. Is He says you got to learn how to lean. You got to learn how to lead. And you got to learn how to love. It's that simple. First of all, we got to learn how to lean. Man, if we want to be one of those few good men in the eyes of the Lord, we got to learn how to lean on him. Very famous verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In other words, lean not on yourself. Those who fear the Lord are secure, Solomon says, he will be a refuge for their children. The steps of a good man are ordained by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Proverbs, I mean, that's Psalm 37, verse 23. When Janice and I first got married, I had to learn some, some things. And one of the things I had to learn was when she would come and we would be sharing with each other and talking about our day, or maybe we'd be talking about problems and concerns, uh, she would share with me kind of what was going on in, in her world and some concerns or issues that were going on. And I would always want to fix it. 
I would immediately, I would almost interrupt her and say, well, you can fix that. Just do one, two, three. Or I would start giving her advice. Well, well, here's how you can solve that. Here's how you can fix this. And finally, one day she said, honey, I don't need you to fix it. I just want you to listen. And I learned that that was the beginning of the journey of me learning. I'm still learning that how to be a better listener. And how to realize that, you know, I don't have to fix everything. I mean, men, guys, admit it, we like to be in control, don't we? We like to have all the answers. When our wives or our children or our grandchildren come to us, we want to be able to tell them how to fix it. We want to be able to make it better, right? We like to appear to them to be in control. And there's nothing wrong with fixing things and helping uh, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, of course. But it's hard for us to humble ourselves sometimes and say, you know what, I don't have all the answers. I can't fix this for you. I can't make it all better. And that's a hard thing for a guy to admit. A friend of mine, Dr. Jim Jackson, was pastor of a very large church out in Texas. He's just retired in the last couple of years. And his wife uh, cross-stitched a plaque that hung in his office at every church that he served. And it said this, the Lord is God. And then underneath, it said dot, 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 and you're not. (laughs) And she hung it in his office as a reminder to stay humble and lean on the Lord. Well, how can we show our wives and our children and our grandchildren that we're leaning on the Lord? One of the ways that it's about relationship. Your your kids, your wife, your family needs to see you in a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord. That's what Solomon is saying. He says, lean not on your own understanding. Lean on the Lord. So how do you show that? Well, your, your family, your wife, your kids, they need to see you doing your devotions, reading your Bible, praying. They need to see that your relationship with God is a personal and intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. You know, that's what I love about Christianity. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. That's what separates Christianity from all the other world religions, really, for me. It's about a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father that Jesus opened up through his death on the cross. So we need to be open about that relationship. Show our wives and our children that, that we're leaning on the Lord every day. Another way that we can show them that we're leaning on the Lord is to, I really want to encourage all the men, you know, to be in a life group or to be in a Bible study or to be in a men's accountability group be in a Sunday school class. Be in some place where you're being held accountable for your own spiritual, personal growth. Is that happening for you right now? Are your kids, is your wife seeing you make the effort, <coughs> take the time to grow yourself? That's a signal to them that you're leaning on the Lord, that you're humbling yourself. A- another way is worship. 
And uh, Bradley, I don't, I, I'm going to pick on you this morning. You know, I, I thought about, when I thought about this point, I thought about Bradley Pemberton, and, and I kind of looked at him in, in the corner of my eye this morning, but I see him every Sunday. But, you know, he's not afraid to worship the Lord openly. And he's a man's man. I mean, you know, he's a tough guy, you know, runner, athlete, uh, and, 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 you know, yet, yet he humbles himself to worship the Lord. And I see lots of men do that in this church. But do you know what? That sends a message to his wife, to his kids, that, you know what? I'm leaning on the Lord. And I'm not saying you have to raise your hands, or however, but however it is that you worship the Lord, singing hymns, singing praise songs, whatever it is, just letting them see that you're humbling yourself before your Heavenly Father. It's very important. That's what worship is, isn't it? You're humbling yourself before an almighty God, and you're saying, you are God. You alone are good. You alone are mighty. You alone. That's what worship is. And another way we show our kids is through service. I think it's so important for us to serve the Lord with our kids and let them see us serving him. We had a mission day recently. We went out to, I don't know how many places, like 10 different places all over the city, and I saw a lot of dads working with their kids, serving, helping, you know, cleaning up or, or building something or renovating something or painting something or doing lawn care somewhere. And the kids are working right alongside the moms and the dads. But those dads, you just never, you can never overestimate the impact that has when your kids see you serving the Lord. One of the things that Janice and I have really done, tried to do over the years, is to take our kids from the time they were young on mission trips, not only serving with them locally, but also on international mission trips. And we've been able to do that over the years. And uh, I don't regret one second of it because I've seen the impact upon all three of our kids. And sometimes Janice would take them uh, on a trip with her. Sometimes I would take them. One time we did a big family mission trip together. We've done that uh, a couple of times. But the last trip that I went on with one of my kids was with my daughter, Sierra, who happens to be here this morning. She's studying at UAB, and I'm so glad that she and Alex are here today. And um, the other, I got to tell you where the other two are so you know that they're not just being bad sons. So one's in El Salvador, so he couldn't be here, and one's working at Camp Glisten in North Georgia, so that's why they couldn't be here. But, um, but the, the thing is, is that we were together, and I've been on mission trips with all our kids, and so is Janice, but... We were together, and I got to see her. We went to the oldest hospital compound in, in Africa, in the Old Mutari Methodist, Old Mutari Mission Hospital, where I got to see Sierra working in the hospital and helping them fit eyeglasses and doing the rounds and working with the doctors there. And I saw just her and her element. And, and, you know, it had such a big impact on her. And now she's at UAB Nursing School, and she's uh, got another uh, year there finishing up. Uh, as a senior, and, you know, she's just, that's her calling. But I got to see that as we served together on that mission trip. I tell you, don't ever uh, underestimate the power of them seeing you serving and you seeing them serving and serving together. It's another way they can see that you're leaning on the Lord. And then there's not only learning to lean, but learning to lead. Solomon says, The righteous man walks with his integrity and his children are blessed after him. He also says, choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. 
He also says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see all these scriptures that we quote all the time? A lot of times we don't realize that they were from Proverbs. So many famous, well-known scriptures are from Proverbs. So I want to just unpack these scriptures for just a, a minute here under learning to lead. Lead your family. Lead your wife. Lead your children. Lead your grandchildren. Integrity is the quality of being honest, having strong moral principles, the state of being whole and not divided. Walk in integrity, Solomon says. In other words, walk the talk. Do what you say you're going to do. Be a man of your word. You know, leadership is influence. I I think about my dad. Janice and I had the privilege of going to lunch with our new bishop and his wife a few months ago. And while we were at lunch, our bishop had done a lot of research on our conference. And he's from Tennessee, so he's from the south. But he had read up a lot on the Alabama-West Florida Conference. And as you know, we were right in the middle of the civil rights movement here in the Alabama-West Florida Conference in Montgomery, Alabama, and this whole state. And uh, he'd read a lot about how the Methodist preachers had stood with the uh, African-Americans and their right to vote and, and through the civil rights issues and through the civil rights movement. And we got to talking about my dad. And he said, well, I've read about your dad. And I said, really? Where? And he told me about a book that I hadn't heard of that I haven't, I'm going to go get it now, but it's called When the Church Bells Rang Racist. And I said, well, I'm, never, I'm not familiar with that book. But apparently it's a, it's a, it's a, a uh, really well-known book, and I'm going to go get it. But he said, your dad's mentioned in that book because he stood with the African-Americans as a pastor and even led, helped uh, with some of the marches and things to acquire the, the civil rights that they deserved. And so I was really, I didn't know he was in that book. I, I didn't know that somebody knew other than me and a few people in the conference. But it was recorded there, and I've never forgotten it because, of course, I was a little boy when all that was happening, so I knew that it happened. So I knew my dad was a man of integrity, and I knew that he had done that, and, uh, but I, I knew it, and I didn't know how many others knew it, but I, I had always held him in such high esteem because he took a stand. You know, there's too few men these days that are willing to take a stand. And, and it's always taught me, you know, be willing to take a stand for what you believe in. And I tell you, I not only ask what would Jesus do, but I ask what would my dad have done? He died in 88, but I still ask that, you know. Not only what would Jesus do, but what, what would my dad have done in this situation? Our children should be able to look up to us like that, right? So learning to lead is so important. And, and, and choosing a good reputation over, over riches. I mean, uh, we need to, men, you know, it's not about, yes, you got to make a living, nothing wrong with making, you know, a living, nothing wrong with making a lot of money as long as you tie the St. James on it, you know, that's good. But seriously, there's nothing wrong with work and, and making a good living. The Lord wants you to work hard and all of that, but... Remember, your reputation is more important than all the money in the world, all the stuff you can buy. 
Your reputation is what you're going to leave because you ain't taking nothing else with you. Your reputation is more important than gold or silver or riches. My uncle Lamar was also a preacher in this conference, and I have a bunch of preacher uh, uncles and cousins that are preachers in this in this conference. And um, my uncle Lamar was also a, a great man of with a good reputation. And he died a few years ago in his nineties. And at his funeral, his son, my cousin David, said, "My dad always told me and my three boys. He said." I'm going to leave you a good reputation. I'm going to leave you a good name. What you do with it is up to you. We need to leave our children a good name. Right, man? We need to leave our, our families, our good reputation above all else. And be people who value not only our integrity, but our reputation. And finally, train up a child in the way that he or she should go, he says. That's a very famous verse. A lot of people don't realize that came from the mouth of Solomon, from the pen of Solomon in the book of Proverbs. How are we doing when it comes to that? One of the things that we did uh, with our kids uh, is that, you know, we, we tried to, uh, br- we brought them up going to church. And I, this is a little pet peeve of mine, so can I get on my soapbox a minute? I don't understand why parents give their kids choices about whether they can come to church or not. I, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. I don't know. But it's like they should be going to church in the children's programs. They should be in the youth program. It was not up for debate when I was growing up. I mean, it wasn't a choice. And if they hadn't done it, and I've shared this many times, if they hadn't done it, I wouldn't be standing here today. Because if they had not made me go to youth when I was 16 and I didn't want to go, I was a rebellious preacher's kid. And because we have youth here, I won't go into the details of all that that meant. But I doubt anybody in here could hold a candle to how rebellious I was. But, my, but it was not optional. I went to youth. I went to the children's events when I was a kid, and then I went to youth, and it was not an option. And, and my, my parents made me go to a camp at Blue Lake, one of our youth camps. Our youth group was going. I didn't want to go. I raised Cain about it. I had other things I wanted to do. And my dad said, you're going. And I was 16. I was driving. Hey, you know, I was like, no, yeah, you're going. It wasn't debated. And so I went. And guess what happened on that? I found Jesus. I got saved. That wouldn't have happened if they hadn't made me go. I just want to say to all you parents out there, especially you young parents out there, it may seem like you're just the meanest person in the world, but you have to make decisions for your children as long as they're living under your roof. They should be in the children's programs. They should be in the youth programs, and it shouldn't be up for debate. And if you'll draw that line in the sand when they're young, they won't still be arguing with you as much about it later. But we did that, and I'm so thankful we did. But, okay, I'm off my soapbox now. Okay, yeah, but I hope you heard that because that's really, that's important. That was probably worth the whole ticket to get in here today, and by the way. But, 
But I just want to say that, you know, we also read the Bible to them. We did devotions with them. We had family nights with them. We did lots of things to pour into them, constantly pouring into them the scripture. Janice did it, uh, and I did it, and, and we just kept pouring into them. And I can say now, I'm fort- fortunately, they're all, they're all walking with the Lord. Praise God. But if you will train up a child in the way they should go, you keep pouring in. They may wander off. They may run astray. They may go rebellious on you. But you, you do your job and you pour into them. And it'll still be there, even if they're rebellious, even if they're a prodigal, even if they run and, and rebel against it. It's still there because you deposited it. So don't forget that. And keep praying for them, no matter what. And finally, learn to love. And uh, this, is, this, is, let, this is from Proverbs 3, 3. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. And Ephesians 5, 25 in the New Testament says, For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. We need to learn to love. Learn to love the Lord. I talked about that a minute ago, showing how much you love the Lord. Be open about it. Talk to your kids about your relationship with the Lord. Talk to them about your love for the Lord. Show the love for the Lord in different ways. And also, love your kids. It says, if you love your kids, you're going to discipline them. Right? And and that means... uh, when you love on them, you need to speak their love language. We talked about that off and on. Uh, speaking the love language of your children, you need to know what your love language of your children is, whether it's touch or, or words of affirmation or service or gifts or time, whatever it is. Make sure you know what your kids' love language is and speak it to them. One of the things that Janice did and I did, uh, and I've told this many times, is we, we, every night we would go in and say a blessing over our kids. And, and you can use any blessing you want. We used one from the Old Testament. It says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And every night, our kids knew they always had our blessing. And our daughter got Kat, Tyler's wife, to make a beautiful sign that hangs in our kitchen now that has that blessing on it. She remembered it because we said it every day, every night. And it hangs now in our kitchen. That same blessing we said over them their whole life. Love your children and discipline your children. Now, you've got to pray about what kind of discipline works for each child. I understand that. We, we had three different kids, and they were all three totally different. And we had to figure out how to discipline them. And we disciplined each one of them kind of differently depending on what, what worked for them. But Joshua was one of the ones that, uh, he's our youngest, uh, occasionally he would get a spanking. And uh, he was one of the ones that occasionally needed it. And, um, and so uh, I remember one time uh, uh, we, we said, Josh, he got in trouble about something. And we said, Josh, go up, go up to your room and we'll be there in a minute. Well, uh, Janice goes up there to give him a little talking to and a spanking. And, and when she got in there, he, she realized that his bottom looked really big. And um, he had put on like, how many pairs of underwear? Like 10? 
10 or 15 pairs. He had gone up there and put on like 10, 15 pairs of underwear. Good, that was a good trick, right? He was going to pad the impact a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So she got up there and said, Josh, what do you have on? And she looked, and he had like 10 pairs of underwear on under his pants. And uh, they, she couldn't even spank him. They got to laughing so hard, they just fell on the bed laughing about it. But uh, we still tell that story today. But what was really funny is Janice was up at Camp Glisten, the United Methodist Camp in North Georgia all week, and she was teaching up there for the camp. And they had like 300-something kids and uh, 100-something adults and counselors and um, but she was up there. So I went at the end of the week after VBS was over. I went up there and got to spend some time with her. And Joshua, our youngest son, is working there now at the camp as a counselor. This is his third year. So they got to kind of be together at the camp. And I got to go up there and see Josh in action, you know, as a counselor, which was the first time I'd been able to see him do that. And it was really fun watching him with those little kids and, that he was working with. And, um, and, at the, and when the camp was over uh, Friday afternoon, we were sitting around the a cabin talking to Josh and said, well, Josh, how was your week? And he said, you wouldn't believe some of those kids, they have no discipline. He's 20 years old, you know. He said, he said I cannot believe their parents. They're just not teaching them respect. These kids talking disrespectful to me. He said, if that was my kid, you know, <laughs> and he was going off, you know, and he was saying, I am so glad y'all disciplined me the way you did when I was young. Of course, he would never have said that when he was young. But he said, I am so glad y'all disciplined me the way you did. And when I have kids, I'm going to discipline my kids the way y'all disciplined me. And I tell you what, I wish I could get a, get a hold of some of these kids because they need some, learn some respect. And Janice and I were just looking at each other, smiling, you know. If you love your kids, men... Find the way that works for them, but discipline them. Because they know when you do, you know what it says to them? That you care enough about them, that you love them enough to hold them accountable. And they may rebel against it, but deep down they know that you're doing it. And you need to always do it with love, of course. And how you do it is between you and the Lord. But discipline them. Train up a child in the way they should go. If you love them, you'll discipline. And finally, men, learning to love, you need to learn to love, if you're married, you need to learn to love your wife in front of your kids. You know what they say, psychologists say, when a husband shows love to his wife, and vice versa, by the way, that gives children the greatest sense of security when they know that the husband loves the wife and the wife loves the husband when the mama loves the daddy and the daddy loves the mama and so that's why you know Janice and I uh, we, we speak lovingly each other now we're not perfect you know we have disagreements sometimes but, but, but we, when we speak lovingly in front of the kids with each other you know we hug each other we hold hands you know we're, you know, appropriately affectionate in front of them. You just, you know. But they know that we love each other. And I think that gives them a deep sense of security. We got to show love. Not only to them, but to their mom. Well, men, are you up for the challenge?
Do you want to be one of those few good men that God's looking for that Solomon writes about? You can be. And it's really simple. And I've given you all the scriptures right here in your notes. Will you commit with me? Or should I say, would you also recommit with me? For those of you that maybe have been doing this, would you recommit? Would you commit with me this morning, men, to learn to lean? Learn to lean on your Heavenly Father. Learn to lead and learn to love. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, thank you so much for being the awesome Heavenly Father that you are. And Father, I pray for all of these men and for myself, for all the fathers throughout our church. And Father, I just pray that you will help us to be one of those few good men that you're looking for. Help us to learn to lean on you more and to show it. Help us to learn to lead with integrity and help us to learn to love and show it. And Father... For those of us that are here that maybe didn't grow up with a father that was present, maybe our father was absent, maybe, maybe our, our, our father wasn't everything that we needed him to be or worse, but we know that you are our heavenly father. We know that we have your blessing. We have your love. And so, Father, help us to always look to you as our heavenly father. And receive our assurance and blessing from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. James Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church or our ministries, please visit our website at sjlife.com. We'd love to see you this coming Sunday morning during one of our worship times. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed week.